Wedded bliss turns into a dark mystery in Lucy Foley's The Guest List. The thrilling mystery is set on the coast of Ireland, and it's my latest pick to listen to on Audible. The twists and turns do not disappoint. Listening to it felt addicting because I needed to know what happened next. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking audio titles, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers that are guaranteed to keep you on the edge of your seat. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. It is the home of storytelling, after all. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Hey, Snap listeners, we are bringing you a special bonus episode today from Oxygen True Crime's hit series, Buried in the Backyard. You can also watch full episodes live or on demand on the free Oxygen app by clicking the link in our description. Enjoy. She's a senior citizen with a feisty streak. Mom had a heart as big as Florida, as long as you didn't cross her. But then she suddenly stops communicating with her friends and family. Somebody doesn't normally just shut off their life unless there's some big factor. Oh, no. Something's dead wrong here. A twisted trail of clues. Everybody said that she run off and got married. And they're on an extended honeymoon. And then all of a sudden, she was taking out a life insurance policy. Leads to a dark discovery. There's a body in this trash can. But no one knows what's really buried in this Florida backyard. So what's to say there's not a second body buried in the backyard? We found something, and he says it's not good. How much deeper does this rabbit hole go? Daytona Beach can be a loud place. It's known for auto racing, motorcycle rallies, and beaches that draw throngs of tourists. Folks seeking a bit of peace and quiet, head to the southern edge of town. Daytona Beach is party central. South Daytona, it's a much more small, quiet community. It's a paradise. It's just so relaxing. That's why people flock here from up north all the time. But on a sweltering August evening in 2010, 
things are stirring in normally sleepy South Daytona. A local woman has been missing for several weeks, and police have found her car. We found this car in the Twin Oaks Mobile Home Park. We called our record service to impound the car. As the night stretches on, the humid air stands still. And for those on the scene, the faint smell of death lingers. There was an odd smell in the mobile home park. They thought oh, it was a dead animal that's in the area. But when our local record service set the car up to, uh, to be towed onto his flatbed truck, he had his headlights on, and they were pointing into the wood line that was right next to the mobile homes. They noticed something, which was out of the ordinary. And when they got there, they look into the trash can and realized there's a body in this trash can. Police secure the scene. And at daybreak, a forensic team gets to work. So once they start taking the contents of the trash can out and start basically putting it into a evidence bag, they don't know who it is. They just know that they do have human remains. One of the, the downfalls we have is our heat and the humidity. It causes bodies to decompose much faster. There's no way of knowing if this is the missing woman whose vehicle was discovered nearby. Investigators send the remains to the medical examiner's office, hoping they'll find something that can identify the victim. From a law enforcement's perspective, this is a bigger crime scene. How much deeper does this rabbit hole go? Retirees come to this part of Florida because it's warm, it's beautiful, it's safe. Retirees feel like this is the perfect place that they can just set up and live the rest of their lives. In the summer of 2010, 78-year-old Goldie Robinson is one of the many retirees enjoying the good life in South Daytona. But unlike most of her newly arrived neighbors, Goldie has called Florida home since 1973. Goldie Robinson moved down from Maryland to Florida because her son had asthma. She come here for my brother's health. My mom was a very giving person. She absolutely loved her kids. She was always a strong woman. She very rarely needed any help doing anything, both physically and mentally. She didn't have a whole lot of money, you know, but she still wanted her own place. So that was pretty important to her. With two grown kids out on their own, Goldie saves up enough money to buy a place at the Twin Oaks Mobile Home Park. She had a really good circle around her. There was no need to be concerned about where she was going or what she was doing or who she was talking to. To help sustain that peace of mind, Goldie's son, Fred, who lives in Baltimore, buys his mom a cell phone so she can make regular check-ins with family. 
But in early June of 2010, this small gift leads to a big falling out. I got her a little phone, and what happened is, well, she lost it. She couldn't find it. I said, well, I'm going to turn it off because I don't want somebody else getting it and making calls on it. Then she found it, and it was turned off. And that made her furious because she couldn't make no calls with it now. Uh, I don't know if she think I did it maliciously to her, which I would never do anything, but that was kind of her mindset at times. So she actually quit talking to me, period. Mom had a heart as big as Florida, as long as you didn't cross her. Though phone service is restored, Goldie continues to give Fred the cold shoulder. He's relieved to learn that a friendly neighbor is keeping an eye on his mom. Her name was Kimberly Smith, and uh, she was a registered nurse. I'm a thousand miles away, and she was helping mom out do things, making sure that she got plenty of groceries, which made me feel good at heart because there's somebody kind of looking after her. But a few months later, Fred receives a strange package in the mail. It was addressed from a mom. Opened the box up, and it's the cell phone. And it had in there a little note. And it said, don't call me Goldie. We hadn't spoken about six months. After the cell phone was sent home, I would call on the landline. She won't pick up the phone. I called, it rang and rang and rang and rang. It was later part in August. I called my buddy, which is, he lives a couple miles down the street there from mom. I said, hey, look, John. I said, can you uh, run down and check on mom? It wasn't. 30 minutes later, I got a phone call from him. He said, I can just see the outside of the trailer is in disarray. Something's wrong. I didn't no more hang up the phone than I got my suitcase packed, told my wife I was going to Daytona, and left. Fred drives through the night, arriving at Goldie's mobile home early on the morning of August 22nd. Well, I got there. The flower beds was at disarray, weeds growing up everywhere, and uh, mom would not allow a weed anywhere in her flower bed. Tried to get in the trailer. I had the key. Key wouldn't work. The locks was changed. My mom was driving a Ford Taurus and it was gone. Knowing that something is very wrong, Fred phones the police for help. When an officer arrives, he tells Fred to wait outside while he forces his way into the trailer. He went in, looked all around. He come out the front door. So I go in and there's nothing absolutely nothing that I could put my finger on that belonged to my mother. 
the closet in my mother's room. I opened it up, and all was in there was stuffed animals. All of her knickknacks and stuff on the shelves was gone. What in the heck is going on? So that's when I started really getting concerned. You know, something, something's up. None of the articles that were in the residence matched up to what he had told us about his mother. Clearly, someone else has been living there for a while. At this point, the officers actually went and started talking to the neighbors to find out what they knew. Everybody said that Goldie had met a multimillionaire, and she run off with him and got married. And they're on an extended honeymoon. According to the interviews, when Goldie left, she signed her trailer over to a neighbor and packed up just her essentials. I was so confused, I didn't believe it. My mom was a down-to-earth, homegrown West Virginia girl. The life of a millionaire had no appeal to her whatsoever. Oh, no, something's dead wrong here. He went into the trailer, and he come out, and his face was white. Or are we going to find another set of human remains to somebody else who's missing? This was the biggest holy moment I ever had in my life. Seventy-eight-year-old Goldie Robinson has vanished, and her neighbors in South Daytona, Florida, tell police she's eloped with a rich new boyfriend. But her son, Fred, isn't buying it. If she's with this multimillionaire down in Aruba, drinking margaritas on the beach. I would cheer for her. That'd be the greatest thing possible. But I told the police, okay, look, either way, you gotta find her. Until you talk to her face to face, I'm gonna stand right here in the street and scream. Fred, being a concerned family member and actually caring about his mother, got the ball rolling for us to investigate this case. We had to canvas the neighborhood, get as many statements as we could from the witnesses. Neighbors were still saying that Goldie was on a honeymoon, that she had went to Tennessee with her new love of her life. And so they didn't really think she was missing. Goldie's neighbors say all they know about the groom is that his name is Rusty. No one seems to know the man, but they provide the police with evidence of the wedding. The officers were being showed photographs of Goldie that she is now married and moved on. And uh, that was their proof of this marriage. The date on the wedding announcement is July 29th, a few weeks after neighbors last remember seeing Goldie. But I didn't believe it. I knew mom was missing. When we were initially listening to the story of Goldie's life, it didn't sound like she needed that big change. She wanted a simple life, but it's quite possible that, sure, she would want a companion. But all the neighbors seemed to have the same story that she was out of the area and she had moved on. So it wasn't so far-fetched that she could potentially be on her honeymoon. If she did marry this individual, Rusty, obviously there would be some type of documentation 
to prove that they got married. So we had to, to research that through the, the court documents. As investigators pour through court records across Florida, hoping to identify Goldie's mysterious new husband, Fred seeks the help of the local media. He hopes the story will prompt someone to come forward with information on his mother, who he still fears is missing. I was happy to do interviews with anybody that would put me on the news. My mom was even on the big bulletin board up in Norman, right on Route 40. I always thought it's either one way or the other. It's going to be a huge misunderstanding, and she's going to show up, and she's going to be pissed at everybody because we've made such a big stink about it. Or it's going to be traumatic, and we're going to find her dead somewhere. As the investigation moves into the second day with no sign of Goldie, concerns mount for a senior who could be at risk. We did exhaust all of our avenues when it came to the marriage documentation, and there was nothing. There was no documentation whatsoever anywhere that proved that she had been married. At this point, are we going to find Goldie? Where's the next clue at? Somebody doesn't normally just shut off their life unless, you know, there's, there's some big factor. Police are eager to speak with Kimberly Smith, the helpful neighbor Fred mentioned was keeping an eye on Goldie. We needed to contact Mrs. Smith because she seemed to take care of Goldie on a, a regular basis. She's the one with the most information. Um, but she was not at home. It's not long before detectives learn why it's been difficult to track her down. She was at the Orange County Branch Jail. Investigators learn that Kimberly is being held on a parole violation on an old fraud charge for bouncing checks. She was being held in Orlando, and our detectives and investigators went to speak with her to see what she could tell us. Detectives are alarmed to find Goldie's dependable caretaker behind bars. But Kimberly has an explanation. Her lawyer had misfiled some paperwork with her parole officer. She didn't even know there was a problem until she tried to renew her driver's license and was told there was a warrant out for her arrest. She had violated her probation unrelated to this, this incident. Kimberly Smith confirms that Goldie and this rusty guy, they got married, they're on their honeymoon, but she can't tell them anymore about Rusty. Kimberly says that Goldie told her she was in love and wanted a new life. But when asked why Goldie might have wanted to get away, she remembers something that might be concerning. While Goldie was living in her home, she did have a roommate for many years, Elaine. Elaine moved with my mom in 73, maybe. Well, they got along great. She would come and have dinner with mom, and it was, it was a good relationship. But at some point, Kimberly explains, the close friendship was torn apart. All of a sudden, Elaine was taking out a life insurance policy on Goldie. It was just very odd and obviously didn't set well with Goldie. 
And Goldie became upset when she found out that she had a life insurance policy taken out by her friend on her. She didn't know anything about this. It created a divide, and at the end of it, Elaine, she ended up moving out. Now investigators must ask, if Elaine took out an insurance policy behind Goldie's back, could it be the motive behind Goldie's disappearance? Elaine was definitely an avenue for law enforcement. It was just an immediate red flag. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a Killer Psyche listener, you're probably always trying to learn more about forensic science and criminology. I know I am. That's why I'm thrilled to partner with the University of Florida Forensic Science Online Graduate Program. Their completely online program is designed for working professionals. Over 1,500 students have earned their master's degree since the program began in 2000. Specialize in forensic science, forensic toxicology, DNA and serology, or in forensic drug chemistry to gain the skills, expertise, and credentials to move ahead in your forensic career. Ready to shape your future in forensic science? Join the world's largest forensic science program and alumni network at forensicscience.ufl.edu slash killer psyche. Investigators looking for Goldie Robinson have discovered that her former roommate Elaine may have had a motive for wanting Goldie to disappear. Elaine was one of her best friends and Elaine allegedly took out this life insurance policy on Goldie. That was upsetting to Goldie, because she felt she had crossed that line. It was shortly after Elaine moved out of Goldie's house that Goldie vanished. So police obviously want to speak with Elaine. Days into the investigation, detectives locate Goldie's former roommate Elaine in nearby Ormond Beach. Elaine? explained that the two got upset because she supposedly had taken out a life insurance policy on Goldie. Elaine denies taking out the life insurance policy, but she does confirm that she and Goldie had a fight and that she moved out. She claimed she hasn't seen Goldie since. While investigators still have their suspicions, there's no direct evidence connecting Elaine to Goldie's disappearance. The problem is that nobody knows the exact day that Goldie went missing. And so it was hard for police to 
talk to Elaine about her alibi. We're trying to get that timeline. So when we talked to the neighbors, they had seen Goldie a couple weeks earlier, which was around July 4th. So it kind of made it difficult to narrow that down. Detectives will keep an eye on Elaine. As they consider their next move, there's a strange development in Goldie Robinson's neighborhood. One of the neighbors recognizes Goldie's car then trolling through the neighborhood rather slowly. So they call law enforcement. We get there and the officers immediately pull the vehicle over and inside are two gentlemen. They said that they had acquired the car by purchasing it from a, a male individual several days earlier. And the men were upset because they couldn't register it. So they had come back to that area looking for the gentleman who sold them the car to get their money back. And they find out Adam Smith, Kimberly Smith's son, sold them Goldie's car. When investigators confront Adam, he explains that the car had been a gift from Goldie, who left it behind when she went on her honeymoon. Unable to confirm his claims, officers call in a tow truck to haul the car away so it can be processed for evidence. The detectives are there, there's, there are uniformed officers there, and the tow truck driver is there getting ready to hook up my mom's car. And he notices something in that nearby yard. And it is a garbage pail. It's just not normal to see a trash can in the woods that looks like it's been recently placed there. So the officers that were there on scene walked into the area and shined their flashlight into the trash can. And they see something so gruesome, a limb sticking out of that trash pail. There's a body in this trash can. Well, I got there the next morning. I'm standing there facing the trailer across the street. And uh, I look coming out of this grown-up area over there as a detective. I walked over towards him, and he met me halfway. He said, Fred, we found something. And he says, it's not good. <laughs> I just knew it was mom. Where, where, where else is she at? I, oh, that's her. We felt so bad for the family, thinking this has to be Goldie, this has to be her. But of course, the medical examiner was going to have to identify the body. The contents of the trash can were transported out to the medical examiner's office to be processed because of the length of time and a deceased had been in, in that garbage can. The identification process was much more difficult. When the autopsy report is delivered, the findings are unexpected. They had called us in to the police station to let us know. They'd say to us, the body we found wasn't Goldie. It wasn't her. 
To our surprise, there was a male body inside this trash can. It was a bombshell. This was the biggest holy moment I ever had in my life. You can't help but think, who is it? Who's looking for them? And where's Goldie? After a three-day search, police looking for missing 78-year-old Goldie Robinson have discovered a body near her home in South Daytona, Florida. But the gruesome find cannot answer any questions about what's happened to Goldie. The human remains were of a male. So now we've got to take this information and see where it leads us down into the detail and identify who this person actually is and how they connect to Goldie. I was glad that it wasn't my mom, but I was sad for this gentleman. But if I wouldn't have had my daughter with me, I would have been a puddle in the street. It was hard to process that this was the body of a man because there wasn't a man missing. So who could this be? Investigators soon get an answer when the news prompts a woman to come forward, wondering whether the John Doe could be her father. DNA samples she provides confirms it. His name was Arthur Sheldon. He was a South Daytona resident. He was 68 years of age. Arthur's daughter tells detectives the story of Goldie Robinson disappearing after supposedly getting married is eerily familiar. Arthur had also recently tied the knot, but it's clear from his photo that Arthur is not Goldie's mysterious groom, Rusty. No one had seen him since 2009, roughly a year earlier. Arthur's daughter explains that she received a strange email from her father saying he'd left the state to marry his nurse. He never returned, and her attempts to find him and his new bride were unsuccessful. We're just thinking, who is Arthur Sheldon? We mentioned the name to Goldie's family, and they had no idea. They'd never heard of him. Neighbors nearby had never heard of them, so it was just a mystery. Why is the body in the Twin Oaks mobile home park? More urgently, police now want to know whether the discovery of his body is connected to Goldie Robinson's disappearance or just a bizarre coincidence. Now we have a whole different individual we've got to do research on. So detectives start to look into Arthur Sheldon's case and what happened there. Any hopes that an autopsy will tell detectives how Arthur died are quickly dashed. Because Arthur had been deceased for such a long period of time, it's hard to determine if he didn't die of natural causes or if somebody killed him. The haphazard disposal of Arthur's body seems like a clear indication of foul play. But with no scientific evidence available, investigators must rely on old school police work. They begin at Arthur's last known residence, a mobile home park just a few miles away. Now, officers spoke with some of the neighbors there. They said that Arthur had a heart condition and that he needed some uh, living assistance. 
So he had a live-in nurse by the name of Dawn. No one can tell the detectives Dawn's last name or how to get in touch with her. But it becomes clear to the investigators that finding Dawn could be the key to learning what happened to Arthur and possibly to Goldie too. Through their investigation, police find that Arthur had cashed in a CD for $90,000 before he went missing. The live-in caretaker had told him that she needed access to his bank accounts. And Arthur, being a trusting, willing individual, gave her that access. She was taking advantage of him. Everything kept pointing back to Dawn. Police started following the money. They found that Dawn was withdrawing hundreds of dollars out of his bank accounts. Although Arthur has been dead for months, his bank accounts are very much in use. And when investigators review bank surveillance images, they see a familiar face. It was Kimberly Smith, Goldie Robinson's neighbor. So police start digging, and they also find out that Kimberly Smith was also going by Dawn at some point in her life. Kimberly's middle name is Dawn. Kimberly Smith and Dawn are the same people. Kimberly Dawn Smith. When we found out that Arthur Sheldon knew Dawn, who was also a caregiver for Goldie Robinson, it just was mind-blowing. Investigators immediately head back to Kimberly's property at the Twin Oaks Mobile Home Park. Goldie's son, Fred, watches as a detective enters Kimberly's home. He went into the trailer, and he come out, and his face was white. And he looked at me right in the eyes, got right in my face, and said, Rusty, the man your mom was supposed to marry, the multimillionaire, is sitting in there on the couch. Florida detectives are focusing on Kimberly Smith. After discovering that she is the common thread in the death of Arthur Sheldon and the disappearance of Goldie Robinson. They go to Kimberly Smith's home, and while they're there, they find a man inside her home, and it is the man in the honeymoon photograph next to Goldie. Investigators quickly determine the man's name is Russell Ryback, Rusty to his friends. They invite him outside to talk further. They started asking Rusty, hey, who are you? You know, what are you doing here? Do you know Goldie? He said he didn't know Goldie that well, but he knew she was the lady across the street. He said he was living there in uh, Kim's residence, and uh, she was taking care of him. He said that Kimberly had taken some photographs of him, but as far as being in that photograph with Goldie, he was uh, unaware of it. It's clear that Goldie's marriage was a ruse, one that Rusty had no idea his caretaker Kimberly Smith had made him part of. 
She is now a potential suspect in both a murder and a disappearance. Detectives begin a deep dive into her background. We discovered Kim had aliases all over the state. She spent some time in prison. She has charges for writing bad checks, stealing IDs. One of the other things we discovered was that Kimberly had no nursing credentials. As the pieces of the puzzle start coming together, investigators' next step is to confront Kimberly. Finding her is easy. Kim was back at the Orange County Branch Jail. She had violated her probation on a case that she had, which she was cashing some fraudulent checks. She stands by her story that Goldie and this rusty guy, they got married, and that's what happened. As detectives work to build a case connecting Kim to Goldie's disappearance, another troubling detail emerges. The family now living in Goldie's house is not just any family. Kimberly Smith's son and his girlfriend, they are now living in Goldie Robinson's home. And Kimberly Smith tells people the reason that they're living there is that Goldie gave it to him as a gift. They live there with their children. Adam Smith is the same man who sold Goldie's Ford Taurus. Though investigators still hope to find Goldie alive, they realize the odds of that are growing slimmer. Kim lived in a small home that's close to the wood line where we found Arthur's body. What's to say there's not a second body buried in the backyard? On the morning of September 3rd, 2010, authorities returned to the area where Arthur Sheldon's body was discovered nine days earlier. The dogs hit on the initial spot where Arthur was. But then, a short distance away from that, the dogs then hit on a new area, which gave a, a clear indication that there was another body buried there, very close to Kim's trailer. Is it gonna be Goldie? Or are we gonna find another set of human remains, somebody else who's missing? They started brushing away the debris, lining that area out so that they could start the dig. And it's hot and muggy, and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting to see what they found. After hours of painstaking digging, the technicians make the dreaded discovery. I'm standing there in the middle of the road again. I've seen uh, several men back there. I hear these dogs barking. Barking, barking. And the detective approached me, and they told me that they had found a body four feet under the surface in a shallow grave. They didn't know if it was male or female. We removed more human remains and more garbage bags. Then another detective come out and said, uh, Fred, we need a DNA sample didn't sound good to me at all when they asked me for DNA. Two months in the Florida heat have taken a toll on the body. 
Although the remains are badly decomposed, the medical examiner is able to lift a single fingerprint. A few days later, the identity is confirmed. I got the call, the call you never want to take. It told me they had a positive ID on my mom. And of course, I, <laughs> at that point, I couldn't even hardly stand up. With two bodies now recovered from this Florida neighborhood, investigators wonder whether they've discovered a serial predator's burial ground. But will police have enough evidence to prove their suspicions? Anytime you discover a body, you want to know what the cause of death was. But with our summer heat, it acts very harshly on human remains. Knowing exactly how Goldie and Arthur died, it's not an exact science. How are they going to charge murder charges without that evidence of were they even murdered? Florida detectives believe Kimberly Smith may be involved in two homicides. Though the bodies of Goldie Robinson and Arthur Sheldon were found on her property, investigators will still need direct evidence to prove a murder actually took place. So the investigators' hands were tied. The death on the death certificate is listed as homicide, but the cause of death is undetermined. And there's no murder charges? I was extremely angry, but they didn't know how. And quite honestly, they didn't know who. Even if they died of natural causes, the bodies were not buried and placed there by themselves. Kimberly Smith was a caregiver for both Goldie and Arthur. While their homicide case against her is crumbling due to lack of evidence, prosecutors are determined to get justice somehow. We may not be able to get Kimberly with a homicide, but we could definitely charge her with fraud. So the investigators get to work building a strong fraud case. We discovered Kimberly has this bank card that she was using to acquire those funds that belong to Arthur. And also, she was using that same method to acquire funds that belong to Goldie. Police find evidence that among the things Kimberly purchased were a trash can and a shovel. Investigators discover that Kimberly also began siphoning Social Security payments. If a senior citizen is getting Social Security, they have an option of having it on a credit card. And then you can then spend that money that way. So police find out after Arthur Sheldon is missing, that option was changed to the credit card option. The investigation reveals that Kimberly was netting more than $2,000 a month from Goldie and Arthur. To protect her scam, prosecutors say, she began driving a wedge between Goldie and her family. They believe it was her, not Goldie, who returned Goldie's phone to her son, Fred, with a note telling him never to call her. 
The son, Adam, and his wife, Crystal, had a working knowledge of what Kim was doing. And it was clearly evident because they had taken possession of Goldie's residence. They had possession of her cars and a lot of her property. So they had to have had knowledge that something wasn't right. They were accessories to, to the incident. In December of 2010, Kimberly Smith, along with Adam and Crystal Smith, are charged with multiple counts of fraud and forgery. Prosecutors believe their case is solid, but they realize the risk they take bringing it to trial. Kimberly has two elderly people currently in her care. If she's acquitted, prosecutors fear their lives could be at risk. I would do anything in this world to get my mom back. There's nothing I could do. She's gone. I'll never get another one. But if I can save one person, somebody's mom, somebody's dad, will do a plea bargain. In August 2012, prosecutors offer Kimberly the plea deal for the fraud she committed against Goldie Robinson and Arthur Sheldon. Kimberly Smith decides to agree to a plea agreement with prosecutors. She was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Kim's son, Adam Smith, and his wife, Crystal, both pleaded no contest, and they were sentenced to three years in prison. For the family members who waited so long to find justice, the final outcome is bittersweet. I want Kimberly Smith, Adam Smith, and Crystal to all understand that I forgive them because that's what Goldie would want. If I could talk to Mom, I would say this, thank you for all you've done for me. You did a great job raising me. Ah, I love you. is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. OK, so um... not. this is not a so. This is a period. 
classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have a crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.